Today on Sagittarian Matters, weddings, sexual health, boundaries, betrayal, friendships, housing, and more on a very special Queer Abbey Advice Edition with my very special Sagittarius guest, Magic Hour Astrology's Brandy Taylor. Stay tuned. Brandy Taylor is the witch behind Magic Hour Astrology, a source for candles and magic. She is also my Sagittarius birthday twin, a dog lover, and very wise counsel. In fact, in a Who Barbs the Barber twist, she's someone that I personally really like to go to for advice. Who better to join us on a very special Queer Abbey advice edition of the show? Now please enjoy this episode with my very special guest, the phenomenally wise and magical Brandy Taylor. Brandy Taylor of Magic Hour Astrology, welcome back to Sagittarian Matters. What a pleasure, Nicole. <laughs> Thank you for taking time out of your busy candle making and witch practice day to offer us your, your advice. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> Producer Ponyo is here doing the levels. She has her headphones on and uh, we're ready to go. Okay. Calling honorary Dr. Nicole and special guest Brandy. I have been listening to and loving Sagittarian Matters for years and have wanted to write in forever. Well, I'm finally in a serious pickle and I would love your advice. I'm getting married this summer and in the past few weeks, I have texted friends to invite them to save the date while my partner and I finished designing more official invites. Less than 30 seconds after I texted someone I thought was one of my closest friends, definitely top five, she said she couldn't come. The sheer immediacy of the no hurt horribly, as did her explanation. She said she was already going to a friend's wedding on the East Coast this summer. She lives on the West Coast. And that she was in, a, in that wedding, and she couldn't afford to fly to the East Coast twice. What I heard was her other friend's wedding was more worth the effort because she was in it. Um, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit and say this person is not having bridesmaids at their wedding, and they would have offered to help her pay despite the fact that they don't have very much money, if she had told them money was a problem, but she didn't do that. And that this person says that they love her. She's one of their closest friends. They have a long history together, including being roommates, hosting punk shows together. Okay. Something you should also know is that her no is the second time this year I have found myself crying over her. About six months ago, she was supposed to visit me for over three days as part of her larger trip to the East Coast. I took off work, bought new sheets for the guest bed, and stocked the fridge with food I thought she would like. A few days before she was supposed to come, she told me she'd cut her visit down to one evening without explanation. Then, the night she was supposed to come in, I found out she was landing in a city two hours from my own, something she hadn't told me beforehand, and that her flight wouldn't be coming until almost midnight. She knew I was leaving town around noon the next day. I told her it would probably be best if she stayed with friends near the city she was flying into, which she did. 
I'm heartbroken, Nicole and Brandy, but that's only part of my problem. I'm also visiting her next month for three days. And now that I think of it, she didn't seem particularly excited by my request to visit her, even though she said I could. She said the time I was hoping to visit, a few days before a writing workshop I was taking near her city, was her grad school midterm week, and she likely wouldn't have time to hang much or show me around, but she'd still love to host me at her house. Am I an idiot not reading into the not reading through the lines here? Midterms are real, but it's the cumul- accumulation of things that has me questioning and feeling unwanted. How do I visit her and not be resentful? How do I appreciate the friendship we have while mourning the one I thought we had? Maybe I should tell her everything I'm telling you, but I feel like I shouldn't have to. I don't want to beg her to support me. It doesn't feel like friendship. Sincerely, friendship morning on the East Coast. Oh. Well, Mamma Mia. Wow. <laughs> Mamma Mia. That one is a doozy. Mamma Mia. Woo. Brandy, you got married. I sure did. I got uh, gay married in uh, in September. I almost said August. <laughs> in September, and it was awesome. It was also very stressful. Um, just like the sort of dynamics around like the logistics, the family dynamics, making sure your to do list is done, all those things. Even and I don't. I didn't have a traditional wedding. I didn't have a bridesmaid. You know, it just no matter what is like an extra stressor because it's an extra big life changing event that you, you know, can choose to do if you that was in the cards for you. And also um, it's a rite of passage. So there's definitely like a level of weight around that. Just us as humans and us in this culture, that's what we do. So just to tell your writer that even if it sounds like the wedding is like, you know, no bridesmaids or blah, blah, blah. It's still going to be, of course, like a different frame of reference and a definite stressor. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But And it seems like there's extra, there's extra stress about like, who's there to see you walk over this bridge? Oh, 100%. Like who's going to show up 100%. for you to hold your hand as you go to this next part of your life? That's right. And you know, that's why we have guest lists and you know, for, for me, like, you know, choosing who was going to be at the wedding was really hard. And I wanted to invite, of course, a lot more people, but there's always a budget involved. And you have to like, be really discerning about like, who are the people that you think are really going to show up for you, that you want to witness you, you know, take this leap of faith, basically. I think so. it, it seems fair to say that maybe this friendship has changed. Or evolve. Oh, definitely. That's that's a definite, um, an obvious thing. I think I, the 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 writer I think is really missing some things that they are doing, and sort of, in my opinion, you know, gentle writer. Uh, they are really projecting a lot of stuff onto their friend. Um, they have a ton of expectations on this friend. Uh, when they said that they were going to, you know, be in the town and, you know, they went to the store and got their favorite foods and bought new sheets for the guest bed. Like, those are things that are so nice and very sweet and loving. But there's just there's a lot of kind of wrapped up in the visit or like their time together. And I would kind of ask yourself, like, well, you know, what what type of friendship are you looking for with this person at this time? And also really seeing the kind of writing on the wall of what actually is this person available for. And 
they're not really, it sounds like they're not communicating very well. Like they haven't had the sit down. And I agree, like if they're going to, they should have that if they want to progress their friendship. But there's a lot of expectations on the person writing um, that they would just continue the same type of friendship that they've always had. And it sounds like you're kind of living a different type of a life. One is in grad school, has a different focus. You're getting married. You have a different focus. So, you know, people get to evolve and change. And so can your, I mean, I think the longest friendships that I've had always evolve and change. Sometimes you're closer, sometimes you're not, you know, that's just how things roll. Yeah. For me, when I read this, I feel like everybody has clunky boundaries. I think that the friend maybe knew immediately when she got to save the date that she couldn't do two trips to the East Coast. But then maybe a pause would have been appropriate before she sent back that text like, oh, I can't do it. Ah, Scarcity, scarcity, stress. Like maybe a pause for that person who's like, seems like the friend from afar is trying to make boundaries but they're a little clunky and sometimes when you learn to make boundaries it's just it's not graceful at first Mm. and it can be clunky because it's some people weren't raised with boundaries not making any assumptions about this person but some of us had to learn how to do that in a particular way as adults um had to how to do it like with a with a scalpel and not an axe and it seems like this friend is doing it with a blunt axe because she's like i need to protect my time um and I, I don't think that her saying she needed to study while you were visiting is necessarily a bad thing. It's just an honest thing. There's people I know, like I, one of my very best friends wrote me and was like, texted me and was like, can I come? I'm coming to LA for this one night for an important reason. Can I stay with you? And I was like, yes, but it's the night before a really important thing for me that's already planned. So you're welcome to come stay here. But just so you know, that's what's going on. And we still got to spend time together. But part of that was because he wasn't resentful about that. He wasn't trying to push my boundaries around that. He said, sure, I just want to be able to see you and stay there. I'll, you know, I'll take whatever I can get of your time. That's great. And it wasn't him like, he wasn't being subservient by taking what he could get, but it was us actually like fitting our schedules together instead of one of us acquiescing in a way that felt uncomfortable, which is the thing that I think breeds resentment. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And also I think that, you know, the writer is using a lot of sort of like characteristics of like a fear of abandonment kind of thing. And the, the friend is using characteristics of the fear of engulfment. And those are kind of like the butting heads um, dynamics that will only really be resolved with like clear, honest communication. And it's okay for you to tell your friend, you know, I really want you at my wedding. It is like, super painful for me to imagine you not being there. Um, can we like, you know, can we talk about that? Make sure you let your emotions and your feelings be heard, listen to their emotions and feelings. And then, um, maybe there's a, maybe there's some sort of problem solving you could do. Maybe there's, maybe there's an extra part of your budget or something else, or there's somebody has a frequent flyer miles ticket or something else that you could actually, you know, there's a way to make this happen. But, without really knowing the why uh, and without being able to say like, here's how my feelings are hurt. Uh, it's just like, it's almost kind of like putting like a bandaid on like a, you know, a big open gash. And even if the friend ends up not being able to come, it's worthwhile to say your feelings out loud. And then it's worthwhile to give your friend the opportunity to step up 
and meet you there and hear your feelings and tell you like, I'm so sorry I can't come. You know, I'm sorry that hurt you. I would love to be there. I, you know, if I would have known, I wouldn't, whatever, giving that person the opportunity to be responsible and a good friend in a different way. Yeah. And liberate yourself from this resentment because knock, knock, you are already resentful. So you're not, you're not, you're, you know, it's not like you might be resentful. In my opinion, you're already resentful. You're already mourning this friendship. It's not really what you, I, what you thought it was or what maybe you would like out of this friend. But it's going to be a lot easier to talk about it than to carry it with you as you're going through this phase of your life. And also for your friend going through a huge change in their life, going to grad school, which I've heard is very stressful. Me too. Me too. And so there's a part of this letter that says, maybe I should tell her everything, but I feel like I shouldn't have to. I don't want to beg her to support me. Um, It doesn't feel like friendship. I I feel like there's a time in your life when you're like have your needs and they're secret and you feel like if people cared about you enough, they would be able to intuit them and then meet you there. But I feel like I've learned that you really just need to express them, even if it feels like a no brainer and you're like, of course, someone would act like X, Y, Z. People aren't, even if they're your great friends and you have other things in common, they're not all coming from the same place as you, the same lens as you. They may not be able to intuit your needs, and nor should they have to. So it's okay. It's not begging somebody to say, like, it hurt my feelings when you said this. Uh, here's the thing that I would like. If you can't do it, let's talk about it, and that's okay, and then be able to drop it. Um, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's okay. The opportunity to do so when you go to visit her for three days. Yeah. Because like that's, if you're going to talk, that's the best time to do so. And if for some reason you don't end up going or it's not, doesn't feel right to you, like scheduling a time to have a FaceTime or something like that, just don't do, like this seems like it's, there's so much involved and there's a lot of history here. I would like caution against doing it like over text or a phone call. Oh. Just try to have a little face to face. Never, a, never a text. No. Please God, never a text that you have to scroll through. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I just, if I have one bit of, one bit of anything, you guys remember when you had roommates and the roommate would leave a note and no matter how uh, pleasant they tried to make the note, the, the nicer they tried to make their request in the note, the more passive aggressive it seemed. That like when they're like, can you unload the dishwasher? Thanks, smiley face, exclamation point. Yeah. Like that makes the person seem like they fucking hate you and want to kill you when actually they're just trying to lessen the blow. Same with text messages. The longer it is, the more I'm like, you're a drama queen. And the more shit you try to add to lessen it, the more psycho it seems. <laughs> the more like <laughs> upside down smiley face, winky, tongue out, like <laughs> except for a heart. I feel a heart is kind of uh that's nice, but I would I, never a multi-paragraph text. <laughs> never. That's my own thing. Um, but I, and also, I just want to last thing I want to say about this is it is painful to lose a friendship. Mm. You know, I guess I I think of romantic relationships seem more volatile, or that seems like when people are in their twenties, romantic relationships come and go a lot more than friendships do. And so I can see how as you evolve, I'm expecting this person's in their 30s or something. As you evolve into your 30s or 40s, those relationships that kind of grounded you in your 20s or your younger times, losing those probably feels really, really bad. And there's not a constructive way for people to mourn that in public as adults. I agreed 100%. And, you know, just because your friendship might seem like it's sort of 
you know, at a, at a crossroads right now, it doesn't mean that you won't be friends in a different way after this crossroads. Like, you know, I have lots of friendships that have looked different ways throughout different phases of our lives. And it just might be right now that you're not like your sort of ride or die friend in this moment, but it doesn't mean that you won't be close again. So just holding that truth. And, but the thing is, I think you can, the only way you're going to really be able to be that way is if you can be honest today. And if you can really be able to like, listen to actually, I'm curious what's going on with the friend. They might have a lot going on that we have no idea about. And that's the, you know, that it might just see grad school on the surface, but there might be a whole bunch of other things, you know, when you pull back the cover. So I think that um, giving your friend a lot of compassion and, you know, just a, a wider berth to be able to, for yourself to open up enough where you're able to express yourself, but also really for you to be able to deeply listen to your friend. And they might be having feelings like, I feel smothered by you, or I feel, you know, I'm not sure, like, I feel like there's a lot of expectations on me and I'm not sure how to fulfill those or I'm having a mental health crisis or whatever the fuck it is. Like just being able to have enough openness where you can really hear your friend without, and just kind of coming to that, to that conversation with a lot of compassion for yourself and also for your friend. Yeah. I think that's good. I think it's really good. I late, the last thing I want to add really quickly, even though I've said it was my last thing is lately, I've really been thinking about the, the saying, quit taking it personally, Q-tip, and how Q-tip. not taking what other people do or say personally is so valuable and really helps. But for me, the first step of being able to do that is because I, I think that the the tendency is to like somebody does something shitty, you take it on and your brain starts doing a squirrel cage of being like, what did I do wrong? Why are they acting this way? I must suck. I must blah, blah, blah. But actually, I think once you, act, once you forgive yourself, once you get rid of shame, once you start being honest with yourself about your needs and not judging them, the more you realize that other people are just doing their own thing and that you didn't do anything wrong. And you get to show up and have your expectations. And if that person doesn't meet them, that's fine. Keep moving on. You don't need to cycle out about how you're not worth having your needs met because that's not actually what's going on. Agreed. One more thing on yeah. that, yeah. which is, um, you know, people are not are also on the wedding tip. People won't be able to go to your wedding. Newsflash. Doesn't matter when you fucking have it. Doesn't matter how, what, how much you're bending or buying a plane ticket for whoever. People are not going to be able to come. And you're like, you're going to have to confront that with either a really good friend or an acquaintance or a whatever. So I want to say just like a little bit you got to just give yourself a lot of flexibility and trust that whoever's going to be there on that day was exactly who was supposed to be there. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. And you're not going to be worried about who's missing your awesome party because that's their loss. Oh my God. Such a gift to be able to show up and have gratitude for the people who are there instead of letting the people who aren't there be the loudest voice in the room. Such a gift. And uh, listeners, I'm just happy to say that I was there at Brandy's wedding and it was phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) Not a dry eye in the woods that day. (laughs) Today's episode is brought to you by Kylie Oram, Elise Miller, Lily Withcomb, Hannah Harding, Asia West, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Jill Soloway, Mary Pinson, and Christy Harrod. 
If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, especially producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $10, $5 million, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet like the insect, leg like its appendage at gmail. Or send him a tip on Venmo to Hellbooks. That's H-E double hockey sticks, B-O-O-K-S. We look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it too. Don't be scared. That's just Ponyo's speaking voice. Dear Sad Streamers, I have HPV and I've never told my partner, even though we have had a lot of unprotected sex. We've been together for four years now and I feel like I've had a secret and been lying. My partner just got their blood tested at a regular checkup, something they haven't done since we've been together. And I think they're going to find out from the doctor unless I somehow didn't pass it along. I feel like I have a pit in my stomach. Should I tell them or is it too late? My original plan was to pretend to be surprised, which feels insane. I'm so scared of telling them that I have it that I feel like digging myself deeper into this pit of lies instead. I'm just scared that they will break up with me for having HPV. Sincerely, Naked and Afraid. This is a pickle. Wow. I I mean, Mamma Mia again. Wow. Grandmama Mia on this one. (laughs) My my hands are over my eyes. Whoa. This is a pickle. What a pickle. Ooh, four years? Yowza. I mean, (laughs) I'm not trying to shame you, uh... A uh, gentle writer inner, but whoa, she four years. That's hard. I mean, you probably already feel a lot of shame because why wouldn't you tell your partner, right? Yeah. So can we let's have a moment of Ooh. saying HPV is nothing to be sh- shameful about. Of course, I mean, that's of course. not the problem. That's not the problem. The problem is that you didn't tell your person. That's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, yeah. let me just tell you: if you have sex, you're probably going to get HPV at some point in your life. So. I believe it's 3 million people in the U.S. have HPV. It's, it's, lot, it's, very, it's, it's all over the place. So the fact that you have HPV is actually NBD, I'll be honest. The fact that you didn't tell your partner and expose them to your HPV unwillingly, that's the big deal. Yeah, that's the yeah, BD. That's that is rough. I don't think that acting surprise is a very good route. I feel like I have, I'm of two, my, my initial, my initial child mind is like, keep lying till you're great to your grave. <laughs> but I know that that's not, that, I think that that's going to be like the telltale heart, you know, if you've ever read that Edgar Allan Poe story, like it's going to be, I don't want you to have to carry around guilt and shame and self-loathing with you through your whole relationship because I think you deserve to be loved as an entire person and an entire honest person. And I, I understand why you wouldn't want to tell them at first. And now you've just dug yourself into kind of a a deeper pickle ditch. Um, I don't, I want you to have, I want you to work. I want you to work in line with your own integrity and to give yourself a clean slate. And this person's going to have their reaction one way or the other, but you get to from now forward, move with integrity and not from a shame place. Oh, this one's real tricky. I mean, 
hear what you're saying about like maintaining that like I didn't know I didn't know I had it but it's it's just the four years thing is just that's that's where you really lose me if you were like we've been dating for four months and I didn't tell them that to me that almost like changes it because I kind of understand the new honeymoon part and they're like oh fuck I forgot to say something and then the secret you know weighing on you but four years is a different scenario to me and I think that like this keeping secrets that are like, a you know, that are a big deal about your health and wellness from your partner and then also your partner's health and wellness. I just don't think that's an, that's a very like good foundation for your relationship. So do you want your relationship to be, you know, have a lot of secrets and, you know, have maybe even some like mild endangerment? Who knows? Like, I, I don't, I wouldn't want that, but that's kind of your now you're at that type of a question you're not at like you know how do I save face you're at like what type of relationship do I want with this person and it sounds like you're scared that they're going to break up with you which they might and that would be a rough a rough go of it for you but I think that the the option of not being honest like is just not on the table I think you really have to be able just to show up and also to say like, just say exactly how you're feeling. Be like, I am deeply sorry. And I had shame or guilt or whatever it was that you're going through, why you didn't, you didn't really say why you didn't divulge that information. Um, But whatever the emotions were around that, it's okay to say those things and then allow your partner to have whatever reaction they're going to have. Maybe it's defensiveness. Maybe it's, you know, not a big deal. Maybe they have compassion for you. Who knows? But, you know, they might take a beat to actually, like, have it sink in and then come to a conclusion around, like, how they want to progress forward with you. But, um, yeah, you got to liberate yourself, again, from this from this guilt. Yikes. Yeah. So I, sorry. This sounds really rough. I'm sorry. It sounds stressful. It sounds really stressful. And, you know, it, it's kind of – it's like – cheating in a way and it's not right so you there's a form of betrayal that's happened between you and them with you being the one who's betrayed them by not informing them about something that they were putting their body in the line of right um and then they i i echo what you said brandy about you know being vulnerable saying your truth and then being able to listen and deal with whatever response they have and really humble yourself in that moment like you're going to want to defend yourself but really just be able to hold their their response and their response yeah could be to leave you or whatever but you know like with cheating people have been through that betrayal and then stayed in a relationship and worked Mm -hmm. through it that is something that happens sometimes this is a different kind of betrayal it's something that you definitely wouldn't do again they don't know that but you know they can decide whether or not to work through it with you but sometimes the working through it could be an opportunity for healing and growth for both of you or they could decide that that's not the the path that they want to go down and yeah it's a it's a sad honest day yeah and you know not also like an aside not knowing like the age of these folks or like you know like especially younger folks there's a fucking hpv vaccine is your is your partner had the vaccine like who knows you know just like there's a lot of newer information and a lot of more options for younger people so i'm just curious like you know, if the, it, it could be that they didn't actually, that the exposure wouldn't have them contract that. But 
it uh, it's just like it's just for you it's about that secret and it's about if you want your relationship to be based around this this type of a secret or not yeah. and sounds like you don't so the person deserves to know yeah yeah, yeah. agreed I'm and so many people have hpv and it's not a big deal so oh I, I, I really reiterate that so many people have hpv so you're going to get it. If you don't get it at some point in your life, you know, you're, it's like, it would be a goddamn miracle. Just know that like, it's not, it's not a death sentence. While there is like no cure for HPV, there's like the vaccine that lots of people get when they're younger. That was not around when I was growing up, but like, just know that it's, it's totally, a you know, a livable and easy thing to, you know, have. And also, just making sure that you inform your partner so they can make a choice if they want to expose themselves or not. What you did by not telling them is you took away their choice and it is, that's not cool. And if they're angry or upset or whatever about that, let them have that, whatever emotion they're going to have. And all you have to really be saying is that you're sorry and you really regret that. So yeah, that's all you can do. If you have an advice question for Sagittarian matters, Call or text our advice hotline, 971-361-9998. Leave a message. We might answer your question on the air, and we promise not to answer the phone. That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank. This question is a softball. Maybe. After our, after our hardcore questions. I mean, wow. Jeez Louise. I'll say. Um... Dear Sagittarian Matters, Eh, excuse me, I need to live alone in order to maintain my mental health, but none of the safe options in my city are less than three times what I'm paying now. What do you suggest? (sighs) You got to make some more money. (laughs) I'll tell you what to do. You got to make some more money. Okay, Nicole, how are we going to do that? I like this. I feel like a bad, I'm a bad influence because I'm like, have you tried exploring the weirder fetish websites? (laughs) You know, have you thought about investing yourself in the FinDom PayPig community? Yeah, that's definitely an option. I mean. It is an option. It's, It's hard for me to tell if that's an option that works for everybody, but. Yeah, I mean, this is, I have both lived alone and with roommates. I I actually really liked living alone. There's just benefits for both. I mean, this person says it's for their mental health to live alone. I'd like to know, like, what that is. Um, like, is it like you have a lot of anxiety about cleanliness? Or are you like OCD? Or do you like, what, it, what type of environment? Do you have a lot of like animals that need their own space? Like, just curious about like what it is. Without knowing that, um, I think that I I would maybe ask the writer to explore some options around like getting possibly, because I know you can't afford it, getting a roommate that's not there a lot. Mm. <laughs> that's what I would do. I'd be like, hey, do you have a significant other that you're over at their house a lot? Or are you a flight attendant? Or, you know, do you work? you know, uh, 40 plus hours a week and then you're home all day. Like those are the ways that working with a roommate, living with a roommate can actually be really, um, helpful. 
like my last roommate, Catherine, um, she worked 40 plus hours a week at like a nine to fiver. And then I was home a lot during the day alone. And then I would go over to my sweetheart's house at in the evenings. And then she was home at night alone. So it actually worked out pretty good. So I would maybe kind of break up things like that, but not really knowing if it's about like kind of control of your environment. That's a different type of a thing. Like, I'm not sure that seems like you might have a deeper, a deeper need than just like, a, I just don't like having roommates or they drive me crazy or whatever. So, um, yeah, that's a rough one. There's also, there's definitely some like subsidies in certain cities for folks. I don't know if they cover living alone. I'm not really sure what your your needs are if or if you have needs that would qualify for any sort of housing assistance. But if you do, I would maybe look, look down that route. Or, um, you know, really, I would just find a roommate that's not there very much. Yeah, I, I had a moment where I had a house that was too big for me. And so then I needed to get a roommate, but I really didn't want a roommate. And I, like you were saying, I tailored my schedule to not have to see my roommates. So I knew my roommate got home at five and I make my own hours. And so I was like, that is when I will be clocking in at my studio outside of the home is five o'clock. And I knew my roommate goes to bed at 11 or 12. That's when I'm home from the studio. And then I would sleep late. They would have gone for work and then I would have the house to myself. But that's also, I'm like a vampire maniac who can work into the night and really enjoy it. So yeah, I'm afraid I don't have wonderful advice that's different than your advice. And I don't know, I don't know a get rich quick scheme or else I would be rich right now. Yeah. Me too. Bitcoin? Bitcoin, maybe invest in, <laughs> here's what I'm saying. I'm saying FinDom is good work if you can get it. But I think you should talk to some actual FinDom people about that. Not me, not a layman, because it's an actual job. Uh, Bitcoin, <laughs> cryptocurrency. Yep. Uh, getting help. And yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's a conundrum for sure. House sitting? House sitting? How, again, how, I was also going to say subletting. Subletting and house sitting? Totally. If you don't have a lot of stuff or need a lot of like, I really want to know about your house needs. Is it like, are you like ext extremely chemical sensitive or something else or whatever, or like have a lot of some sort of thing where you need control of your environment? That would be the thing that you're like, okay, let's try to make you some more money. But if you are like, I just don't like being around people. I need some alone time. It's for my, you know, I, then I would structure your day where you were, you know, kind of off and on with a roommate that would help you afford a place that is nice enough for you to call your home. I'm saying pet sitting, house sitting, farm sitting, any of those things. People are going out of town all the time and needing people to take care of their homes or their creatures. Get in on it. I mean, I'm a lucrative, um, I pay very lucratively for my pet sitting. So, let me tell you, when my sweetheart and I go out of town, you are getting an awesome house and you're getting some dollars. So there's lots of me's around. It's Find true. those people. It's true. I think we've done good work here. I feel <laughs> these were these were some real pickles today. We forgot about squatting. Oh, squatting. <laughs> Do you want to describe what squatting is for people that are not raised in a punk environment? 
Well, squatting is where you just take up residence where you feel. Usually at places that no one lives or warehouses or things that you, you know, maybe you can also, people have been living there and you just go in and you make it your own. So that's a possibility. Usually you do it as a group. I would not advocate doing things by yourself, especially if you, you know, um, are of a vulnerable, vulnerable population, but squatting can be also helpful. But you get your crowbar. You get you right. pry those bars off the windows, crawl in there, watch out for needles. Yeah. You got yourself a house. I mean, it's definitely more – it was more – it was definitely uh, more of a common option in the punk scene. Yeah. Uh, uh, like more in like the 80s and 90s probably, but I don't know a lot of squatters right now. But I again, also- I'm in my 40s, so let's be real. A squatter in their 40s is seem- – that seems a little more Berlin. Than Portland I at this totally moment. I totally agree. Or London. Yeah. That's like a European thing. A little yeah. bit more than, you know, that's like a, like a squatter's rights, like a, yeah. a prideful, like we've taken over this space. We've made it our own. I want to tell you a piece of punk damage that I got. I remembered today, which is I had to actually make a rule for myself at some point. This is as a tangent. I had to make a rule for myself maybe only 10 years ago. That when some tights I had got a hole in them, I would throw them away. Because before that, I would keep them and just have them mentally in a separate space. Like, oh, I wear these on a day I'm just going out, you know, for fun. And then I have different tights for work. And then it would add so much time to my day before work finding tights that did not have holes in them. Like accidentally putting on things that had holes in them and being like, dang it. Um... I was thinking that today because I was wearing some pants at aerobics that had holes in them. And I was like, okay, I guess I have to throw them away. I was like, the rest of the pants are fine. It's just these seams. But there we go. That's my reformed boxcar children tip of the day. Well, I love that. Also, you know, you can always send me your pants to stitch on up. Just takes me a hot second. You got, you got blown out crotch in your pants? Send them on over. Well, I'll zip that right up. I mean, I should say these were like uh, stretch pants from a disreputable store that probably cost me like $4. Yeah, okay. Well, it's okay to move on from, from things like that. I also would, especially with tights, once you like, if you want to like darn that tight, it's really hard. I would just bye-bye town those tights, Nicole. Yeah. It, it's okay to pass them on to the the next realm. Yeah. Sorry, tights. Somebody wants to make holes all over their tights. Some fucking awesome weirdo Gen Zer is going to cut holes all over those fucking tights and wear them like a boss. So that one hole is going to inspire somebody else. Put it in the bins. You're welcome, Billie Eilish. That's right. Oh, no, you're right. Gen Z. Woo! Woo! Brandy, thank you for coming on the show. Do you have any other random... So, so nice. Do you have any other random bits of advice or wisdom? Uh, I think a lot. I mean, you know, I can probably, you could probably answer your, most of your writer inners with just saying like, talk to the other person. (laughs) It's hard. I don't, I think there's something about people like being frozen from communication and like communication is so fucking hard, but it is so worth it. So if you're on the fence about like, have a problem or something else and you're like oh you're really labored over it and the answer you think is talk to the other person you're probably right i'm gonna i'm gonna be here to encourage you to do so you can do it 
it's worth it. Don't carry that burden around with you. Fucking liberate yourself from guilt and shame around it. And just like, just go for it. The worst thing that can happen is that person gets mad or, you know, says they're not your friend or is reactive or defensive. But usually that person comes around and they can then say how they feel. And then you're at least able to get to a different place than this. It sounds like being in this like stew of, you know, uh, you know, miscommunication or I mean, even just like, you know, yucky feelings. Nobody wants to be in that stew. Get yourself out. Get yourself out. Get out of the stew. Get out of the stew. It's not good in there. Get in the ladle. Propel yourself out of that stew. Get your cute ass little dumpling body out in that ladle. <laughs> Pop on right out. <laughs> Stews for eating. And talk to your friends. Talk to each other. Talk to your sweetheart. Talking is awesome. It feels so much better to have a scary but honest relationship based on talking have an honest relationship based on having a scary talk than it is for you to walk around with a wad of resentment that you're pretending like everything's okay because also people can tell when you're pretending everything's okay that it's not okay you might think that you're like a wizard at acting but no yeah and you can tell the difference between between that and if something happens with you and another friend it doesn't and it doesn't bother you well then that's something you can just let it slide off your back who cares but these people who are like, you know, they really, it's really labored and there's a lot of care going into these letters. Like, I just like really want to be like, please talk to your friend. You know, it's would be a lot. Um, it just would be a lot more loving for all parties involved. Including yourself. That's right. Brandy, how can people find you? Uh, please find me. Uh, you can find me at magichourastrology.com and on Instagram at magichourastrology. I'm considering changing that handle. I'd love to know your thoughts. Magic Hour is my loving business for seven years, but I don't, I feel like I do less and less astrology and more and more just general magic. And I'm just curious about that. Give me some feedback, hot tippers. All right, go to Magic Hour Astrology on Instagram. That's right. Hmm. Magic Hour Magic. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.